You're listening to the Birdie Dad podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. Hey, we are back. In this episode, we're going to talk about the yips. What is it and how do you fix it? And we're also going to go into the mental part of golf and what you can do to be a better dad and golfer focusing on that mental game. So, Brian, Trevor, what's up? It's another episode. Hey, man. Yeah, it's uh, another week. Um, I do got to say that um, I got called out by my boss based off of our last episode. Excellent. So, I know. Yeah, I didn't think he was uh, tuning in, but uh, that was the first episode he's ever listened to. Uh, So, good for me. But he did say, guys, he said, if I ever catch you throwing a match, you are fired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't get caught. Don't get caught. (laughs) I'm just not going to do it. I told him, I was like, all right, fine. I'm gunning for you every time. Here we go. Yes. Yes. All right. Do it. Well, sounds like you got a good boss there, Brian. That's that's a good that's good work right there. That's right. You just throw it early. You know, you can't tell you threw a match early. (laughs) Still throwing it, Jared. Just throw it early. (laughs) Give up a couple strokes early. Um, Okay. So this week, you know, again, we're going to talk about some mental part of golf. And Brian, I'm excited to get into you in a little bit with uh, your situation because we talked before the show and. Um, a little bit what's going on. But first, let me ask you guys this question. It was asked of me recently, okay? If your neighbor was in a car accident and broke his leg, how would you respond? Oh, uh, my neighbors so are freaking awesome. And I, I don't know if it's my neighbor or even a random person. I think you you're, you should want to help if you if you're a decent human being, right? So... Um, that's that's my question when are we responding to this are we we responding to the actual seeing them breaking their leg no he's come home okay so he's come home and he's in the cast or her okay so how would you help your neighbor out uh take his trash cans to the to the the to the sidewalk uh you know offer out that'd be the first thing offer up the uh the lawn mow you know as long as i'm mowing my lawn might as well mow his lawn right you know mm-hmm. that's my top two Brian, you would too I, I mean that that all sounds great I, I would do that i would my first instinct though was to go give him a beer <laughs> i don't know <laughs> also I mean, good is, is also that, good yeah yep. Go. yep okay yeah. so the question now is now if your same neighbor came home from let's say like a 10-day hold due to a mental health disorder how would you respond? Hmm. This, yeah. Well, hopefully you would know your neighbor well enough to, before that happened, you know, to help try to intervene. But um, same thing. I mean, take take the trash cans out to the trash the side and <laughs> mow your lawn, mow his lawn. Right. You know, that's kind of standard neighbor so. stuff. Yeah. I would hope so. so no judgment. So, no judgment. So, so yeah. Trevor, you're, you're just taking trash cans out and mowing lawns no matter what. Like, <laughs> right. That's just, like that's my thing. Those are my two okay. chores I have to check off each week. That's, Get a that's riding it. lawnmower. That's the whole it. neighborhood. Whole yeah. neighborhood. Trevor's wait, got wait, it. Wait, wait. Does, does, does your neighbor live on property like acreage? Because if that's the case, I probably wouldn't mow it. But uh, if it's just a small <laughs> side lawn like myself, then I would definitely mow that. Well, the point is, is that most people don't know how to answer the second question. It was asked to me and I was like, oh, that's a good thought. You know, like we, we actually, we suck at responding to mental health. Like we're terrible as a society, right? Like we back away when we should be leaning in. Like you said, Trevor, you, you aced it, right? Like you and Brian both, 
you should lean in and offer the same support, but we don't do that. Like, well, it's, it's kind of hard though, Jared. I mean, like if you find out about the mental health issue, that's one thing, but oftentimes you don't find out about it. Right. You can see your neighbor coming home with a cast on, you can see them on crutches. That's easy to respond to, but the mental health, you really have to be involved with that family, with that person just to know about it. Yeah, you, you're true. right because it it carries such a negative, you know, um, a negative stigma to it, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. then what's wrong with you or what's going on? And I think that's the whole point when we were talking about this show. I mean, it's totally. Well, I want to bring this up. One, it's very relevant. We just saw we're recording today, and as of today, Simone Biles pulled out of the team final, and. Mm-hmm. It was pretty quickly stated it was a mental issue, and then later in the day, she said she was not in a good headspace, right? Did you guys follow that? Yeah, yeah I caught that on the recap from, you know, MSB and NBC or whatever it was on the Olympics coverage. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting because right after the event, she was pretty kind of, you know, conservative about giving up answers, you know, and then they did the press conference like probably an hour later, I don't know, and she was a little bit more forthcoming the fact that she just wasn't in a good headspace, and then they kind of showed her vault that she had, I think, which was on the prelims uh, in the Olympics a couple of days ago. And she just was supposed to do like another rotation or a twist or something. And she just kind of flailed on it. And she just said she wasn't in it, you know, mentally. So she didn't want to hurt herself or, you know, put herself in that position again. And that's a scary sport to be mentally out of. Like, if you yeah. think about it, like if we're mentally out of golf, so what? Like we lose a couple balls, <laughs> right? But if yeah. you're mentally out of, like when you're flying 12 feet up in the air like yeah you're gonna get seriously hurt like that's you got to be with it on that so if you're scared at any point and you're hesitant like i'm sure that's yeah. just wrong you got a full send on those events i mean that hits home yeah, yeah. more for me now than anything because my daughter broke her ankle right. doing a, a small headstand on the recess you know uh, playground so to think about what simone goes through and those high level athletes i mean if they're not in it that, that's high risk right there yeah, I did like what Michael Phelps said on the broadcast afterwards when they were talking about it, which is his slogan. It's It's been there for a while, but um, it's okay not to be okay. That's his saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for all of our kids to um, know growing up is it's okay not to be okay. You just need to talk about it, right? So Right. Yeah. I also thought of uh, Naomi Osaka. She went through a very similar thing yeah. too. So two of the biggest sports faces that we know right now, you know, and she also, um, she pulled out of the performance and then recently actually did, you know, you, you could say, is it connected or not, but, but did not have a great showing at the Olympics. So, I mean, I was talking to my wife about this and we both agreed, like before any judgment is held, like you said, Brian has nailed it from Michael Phelps. It's, this is like the biggest stage and to say that, you know, she doesn't want it is totally, that's, that's not accurate. This is like the sport she's trained her entire life for on the biggest right. stage. Right. 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 And I think, you know, actually it's funny bringing this topic up because we didn't talk much about it before, but just tonight at dinner, we kind of paused and, um, we were supposed to watch the team event and they were mentioning that Simone wasn't doing it. And my daughter's especially my seven year old, she's into gymnastics as well. And she's like, wait, what, what, why is Simone Biles not, like doing this she's she's hurt right like she hurts can we watch the film on why she's hurt and i was like no actually honey she's not she's just not in the right headspace and so it it didn't at such a young age this concept doesn't run past in through their heads right you know and i think Mm -hmm. as a society we kind of 
bat anything down like oh we're not okay we're not okay let's hold it all in hold it all in and this was like the first person i think that they've seen kind of talk about it or you know at least somebody they look up to maybe talk about the fact that their head's not in the right space and so we have to bring up that mental illness discussion and we had a little bit of talk at the dinner table today and i don't think they grasp it quite yet still but the fact that we were able to kind of at least lead into it was pretty big and not one conversation i expected to have at such a young age so yeah for sure uh, the age you're right it's a little bit young but just throw my educator hat on it's about eight to ten years old really when they can start to really grasp on these concepts and here's a some statistics for you i'll throw out one in five kids will have some level of mental disorder and that's pre-covid and as we talk about that so that could be anxiety depression um it could be a substance abuse uh any other so one in five by the time most of these will develop by the time they're they're age 24 when that brain is fully developed so i ask you guys yeah one in five does that i mean well i mean i mean that's yeah it's a sobering statistic because we have five kids between the three of us right now. I didn't want to say that, but yeah, we do. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. So, right. so good, chances are we're going to have to deal with it growing up. And, and yeah, it's a sobering statistic that um, I think is true. I, I think it's more acceptable these days than when we were growing up um, as mm-hmm. far as being open about it and talking about it, asking about I don't think my parents ever I mean my mom would constantly be asking me how are you doing all like <laughs> like my dad my role model was never that guy like he was mm-hmm. never asking me how I was doing so um that's kind of I don't know it's it, it's I think it's our opportunity as dads um I mean you have uh, girls right now um but you know as as a dad to boys I think I have uh I mean it's a good opportunity for me right now to really set the example of talking about emotions and talking about um, that headspace uh, that you're talk- that that you referenced, Jared, mm-hmm. um, to really get them to say it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to come to me. It's okay to um, you know show these emotions because um, I didn't grow up knowing that. So this, this is kind of my chance to to give them a different script. Well, my- I think you're not alone. I mean, think about all of us growing up in the '90s. I mean. If we had had Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, you know, the John Elways, you know, talking about this, you know, if they had problems in their headspace, it would be a whole different ballgame right now growing up. You know, just now recently, like with Simone Biles and Michael Phelps, all these people, they're, they're more vocal about it and they're in the limelight. And so people are starting to get on board a little bit more. But I mean, it's I bet it's no different. I bet one in five still had a problem back in the 90s. Right. We just didn't yeah. hear about it. No, we, we never, we never, yeah. we never heard about Michael Jordan having an issue. I mean, maybe he didn't, but mm-hmm. you know, those those leaders at the time, people we all looked up to, nobody, everybody hit it. You know, if they did have it, so. So we, yeah, exactly, and we are here to, you know, to be dads. And when I talk to my wife about this show all the time, she says, you know, you got to leave guys with things they can implement, right? The guy, and I always try to remember that. So here's the things, the keys I'll throw out, and you guys for you to know, and everybody else listening. Number one. Like when you're dealing with this with your kids or your, you know, it's not just your kids, it's your friend's kids too. It's your your nieces and nephews. We're all just adults. So the first thing is you don't need to be a doctor and you're not trying to diagnose. So like get that notion out of your head right away. Your, your job is not to diagnose anything. You're really just there to, to look for signals and to say, hey, you know what? I, I noticed this change. Um, you know, let me see about the right support here and listen, like Brian said. Um, the second thing, which is huge, is that, and I know like you're saying, Trevor, in the 90s, I did not ever, I don't think I was ever told this, 
is that recovery is an option for, for pretty much every mental disorder, right? Like for Simone Biles, recovery, and as you talk to your daughters, recovery is definitely an option and whatever she's dealing with. So to tell kids, I don't think we tell them that enough. Like what, if it's depression, it's anxiety, it's whatever, like you're based on how deep it is, you know, through treatment or sometimes, you know, medication or whatever through the doctor, not us, uh, that recovery's there. And so, so is that what you're talking about, Jerry, through recovery? Recovery means like help, like therapy, yeah. things yeah, like that. Yeah, and you can get through it. Like you don't always have to feel that way. Like you, mm-hmm. if you're talking about like depression, like there is an out, there, there is a path to quote unquote normal, right? Like, um, or, or if it's, you know, bipolar, anxiety, depression, any of those, like, yeah, there is always recovery. And I don't think kids know that. They're like, I just mm-hmm. feel this way and I don't know that I could actually feel better. Um, yeah. And you talk and to I, a lot of kids, they don't know that. And I think that's an important distinction because I think we're very aware of recovery when it comes to the body. So mm-hmm. sleep, when you have um, a big workout, you rest a couple, like a day or two in between big workouts, right? To rest your body. But we don't talk about how do you, how do you rest your mind? How do you recover from your mental state during the day? Because, you know, kids especially when you get that high school range, middle school, probably even, I mean, they're dealing with social, I mean, before COVID um, and hopefully event eventually again uh, sometime soon. Um, but I mean, they're dealing with um, social issues that um, we don't have to deal with on, on a daily basis that causes just mental strain. Right. And so mm-hmm. how, how do you come home from that and recover? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're exercising your, your emotions all day. Right. Yeah. So I have a I have a book for you guys. I bought it for myself and I recommend it to you guys. It's called um because crazy idea. Crazy ever I mean, just it's listen. <laughs> listen to your kids. And the book is called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and mm. How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. So mm. That's the book. book right you, now. you should. I need yes. that book right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amazon order. Let's do this. <laughs> get that book. I bought it. Yeah, yeah. And it's of all ages. I mean, it can go as young as, I mean, when ben, I looked at when I'm reading it, I'm seeing things from my almost three-year-old that she does now. So three years all the way up. I could use it with my wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jared, I've actually read that book. Uh, it's a great, great one, uh, especially for this topic. Um, I need to go back and refresh <laughs> the learnings <laughs> from that book. Um, cause there was a lot in there, but it's, it's kind of similar. Um, the book you referenced to me, which is, um, something about spoiled. I can't remember what it was, but, um, right. s- similar, similar ideas of, of, um, asking why getting a little further into details about, um, you know, how they're, how they're feeling, um, without being accusatory, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, Isn't it's an awesome a funny book. concept. Listen to your kids. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, Imagine that. Uh, And of course, we say this all the time on the show is as a sports parent, be cautious of your expectations, right? That's like the killer, the silent killer to performance. It's like your golf game. Don't have expectations when you go out there because you're always going to disappoint them, right? So, so Brian, um, the yips, uh, sounds like you, you we're switching, switching to our mental game, huh? Yeah. So what is it? First of all, start off. What, what are the yips? Brian, Trevor, what do you guys say? What are the yips? Uh, for me, when I have the yips, um, it's some kind of mental block to where the simplest action that I was able to execute before, 
all of a sudden becomes ridiculously hard. I just can't do it. I don't know if it's focus. I don't know if it's, you, you know, just that I hit a bad shot once. Since now I think about that bad shot all the time. Um, but I am stuck right now. I think with the yips, it can be on putting, it can be on, um, you know, some people call it the shanks when it's with irons <laughs> or, um, <laughs> but I mean, the yips is basically anything that causes you to do something. In my opinion, that's an anomaly from your normal game. And, um, it's a mental thing. It's not a physical thing. Cause, cause I've been working on my swing a ton and all of a sudden I got the yips with my <laughs> basically pitching wedge down <laughs> putter too huh putter, uh, putter as well putter's not as bad but it's it, it's mainly like my my um lob wedge sand wedge um <laughs> approach wedge and pitching wedge yep yeah so the yips trevor do you have a, a good definition of the yips my definition of my personal experience with yips is um one swing back one swing thought so slow take slow slow take up slow take back slow take back Oh my God. And then I hit like 10, as I'm coming back, I have 10 things go through my mind, like rotating grip, you know, like follow through. And then, uh, and then whatever happened from take back to point of impact, it was like devastating. And then after even take, especially with chipping, like, I feel like the ball's in the air and I'm still trying to turn my club to like steer it with body (laughs) language. That's, that's the yips for me. So do you guys remember Tiger Woods when he was coming back? Uh, I think it was from a back surgery and he couldn't hit a chip to save his life. He was mm-hmm. chunking everything, and we were watching him, and we we're like, "Whoa, that looks like us out there." That's the yips. That's the yips. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the yips. Yeah, yeah, I define it. I looked it up. It says it's the sudden and unexplained loss of skills, like physical skills. So you mm-hmm. just, like you said, you guys said exactly. You just can't do it. I think of Rick Ankiel. I think of. Uh, Steve Sachs, the Dodgers, he, he couldn't throw the ball to first base anymore. Like, just <laughs> couldn't make yeah. the throw to first base. It's funny as that sounds. I think that was like the whole theme of Major League Two. Uh, that was the catcher, though. He couldn't throw to the pitcher. Yeah. Uh, Bernard, <laughs> Bernard, uh, Langer, Bernard Langer, he says he's had it three times in his career. Uh, so you are having the yips right now, Brian. I mean, tell I us am. more. What does it look like? It looks like I can get off the tee and I am in position. I'm just licking my lips. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on in regulation. And then all of a sudden, the shot that I've hit many times on the range, many times in my garage, many times on the course, all of a sudden, I chunk the ball. I just dig into it. I, I, I mean, my practice swings are money. Like, I'm, like my, my practice swings, it's like, yeah, I got this. This, this is what I'm going to do. And then I just chunk the ball and it goes 10 yards and you're like, what, what just happened? All right. All right. Let's try this again. Let's, let's take a break. Um, reset, take a deep breath. Um, like we've heard from Dr. Cannon, um, and our mental coaches out there. And then you get up to that, that third shot, you do it again. (laughs) Like you just can't get out of it. Next thing you know, you're trying to chip in from, for par from like 20 yards out. And then you might get on and then it's two plus from there and you're at double bogey all of a sudden to where you were looking pretty good to get on a regulation and have a birdie chance or par. So is this consistent consistent, like the next hole you do the same thing or is it kind of like once or twice around? I'll do it probably three times around now. Mm. Yep. Which turns, which turns some, 
holes into I've I've had some holes where I haven't lost a ball, hasn't gone out of bounds. It's just gone. But I've got a quad I've got I've got a quad bogey on the scorecard. Mm. And it's all because of anything like sixty yards in. Inside of sixty yards. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's what you were, you were working on, Treb, like on the range with, during your daughter's practice, right? It was yep. just like, lots that's what you were working on. Lots that's, of balls, 60 I or know. less, right? Yeah. I know. It's the hardest shot in golf, I think. I mean, you know, it's not a full swing. So you got to, your head has to tell yourself, your body, what to do. And there's a lot more room for error when you let your head in, get involved. So that's, it's between well. your ears. But, that's yeah, for sure. I, I was, it's exactly, I was going to say call Dr. McCabe or Dr. Cannon back from our yeah. previous shows and get, I need a, get them. a session. I need them, SOS. Yeah, uh, I feel for you, Brian. Thing, I think we've all been there though, you know? I, I, yeah. It's for, it's been putting for me where I just kind of dead hook a putt, you know, like, cause I just can't, I could, I, for like three or four rounds straight, just pulling, even if trying slicing a putt, I will hook it. It was crazy, but We've all been there. It's it's all between your ears. Yes. So how how did you deal with it, Treb? When you were hooking putts, I I gave up on the sport for like two weeks. I just walked <laughs> okay. away. All right. And that's nice. when I when maybe I get to the point it. where I'm about ready to break clubs and I'm actually maybe throwing a club, which I don't often do. Then I'll take a break. I'll walk away for like a week or two, at least, and just kind of reset. And then usually you're not you don't you only have to think about one thing at that point. The last thing you remembered you know, it was just something smooth or easy swing thought versus when you're playing a lot, you start thinking about more things you can tinker with your swing. And then all of a sudden you're in, you're in bad shape. So that, that's so Brian, are we sure there's nothing physical, right? Like you're not have you don't have any minor injuries or any, anything that's like compensating with your swing right now. Jared. No, I don't have, I don't have any of that stuff going on. Um, okay. in fact, like I feel great in every other part of the game. I'm hitting my drive, probably 15, 20 yards further than last year and, and straighter. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm getting some actual reaction out, out of the gallery when I play, which never used to happen. Um, so I'm feeling good about everything else besides 60 yards in. That's it. Yeah. I'm with Trev. I think the only time I've ever dealt with it was putting and my only solution. Well, I had two solutions. One, I went through like three different putting styles and i actually just changed mine again this year and like the actual putting grip and the other is like what trevor said i went on a break for i think i took like a month off or more and Hmm. just let let it naturally reset yeah and this is gonna be hard because unfortunately up here i've got a window of time to play golf so i don't know i may may just have to wait wait until the winter season and then was it uh, yeah was it reggie miller or ray allen that said uh just you know shoot through the slump just keep, yeah. just keep <laughs> shooting. That's what don't I have stop. to do, I think. Yeah. yeah you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> there you go. Uh, like yeah. We could get real deep and say, you know, you could practice some mindfulness or meditation. You know, a lot of your breakdowns of physical performance can come from outside stress and get real deep here and say, maybe if you have any outside, your boss did say he was going to fire you earlier in the episode. So are you dealing with some stress in the. I don't know. Maybe I have to go have a conversation with my boss because, yeah, if I throw a match, um, then 
he's going to fire me. And Jared, you were talking about how you threw a couple extra chips into your game. Maybe now like my subconscious is just throwing that in there for me. So I don't even have to like, you know, I could, I could, don't have to lie to him about throwing matches anymore. We'll see. I don't know what's going right. on here, but yeah, maybe I just have a conversation with him be, and just, uh, that'll hash it out. We'll see. Okay. Well, be make sure that you are the Rick Ankiel of the yips, which Rick Ankiel reinvented his career and came back, right? Like he came back okay. as like, okay. a, a, I mean, he didn't pitch anymore. He went to the outfield, <laughs> but he could come back. Uh, don't be the, like, you know, I don't know if Steve Sachs ever came back, but the Jared Saltalamachia, I don't think he ever came back. And <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think to to that point, I think I'll try your rule of 12, Jared. And yeah. just stop hitting those 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 wedges and start hitting like nine irons and just like so, yeah. chip it chip with nine up. irons. Yeah. And just and just see what happens. Just see what happens. If it works out, yeah. it works out. It's great. Switch it up. Switch it up yeah. a little bit. So do we think and we're not to diagnose, but maybe Simone Biles had the yips on her vault a little bit. Like Trevor, you said that she pulled off and kind of like lost I the confidence so. on it. Yeah. I mean that's what the commentator was saying. That it looked like she just kind of spaced out on what she was doing when she hit that vault. So, I don't know. Yeah, I I was watching, I think it was like Lori Hernandez this morning. It's crazy. It was on YouTube and then it got pulled and I couldn't watch it again. But Lori Hernandez was saying, like, yeah, she just basically just lost where she was in the jump. And that's just mm. like, it was like a total loss of confidence is what it looked like. Which mm. is like the, yeah, you, Brian, you do have zero confidence in that swing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and like I said before, like golf, so what? I lose a ball. <laughs> <laughs> I could hit my ball again. Great. But gymnastics, yikes. Mm. Yep. Yep. It's, exactly. It's lasting injuries. It's a tough sport. Great stuff. Well, that wraps up for this episode of Mental Health, the Yips, how to deal with it. We'll get an update from Brian. Hopefully, Brian, you get through it. We, we're hoping that a week hey. or two goes by and you'll be back to your tip top. Jared, I'm dedicated to finding, to getting through this. So, yes, we'll <laughs> Just see keep what shooting. Happens. Just keep there it shooting. Is. That's right. Uh, and next week, we're going to talk more kids, golf, and sports. So stay tuned and see you next week.